Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So hi, Amy. Thank you so much for joining me. Today is a little bit of a different uh, conversation. I usually do uh, episodes that are just me talking to uh, the listeners and they are sort of storytelling. But today I am super excited to have Amy Tintera with me today. Amy is a New York Times bestselling author. She's written a number of novels for young adults. And this is your first debut adult novel uh, which is super exciting it's a thriller with a sort of dark comedy interwoven throughout so I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about your new book Listen for the Lie. Sure Um, and thanks for having me I'm excited to to do this interview. Uh, So Listen for the Lie is a thriller about a woman whose best friend was murdered five years ago and everyone in their small town thinks that she is the one who killed her but because of a head injury she has no memory of the night and so five years later a true crime podcaster takes up the case determined to solve it and she has to return to her hometown and help him even if she ends up being the one who did it. Brilliant. Thank you. That's such a good bite size amount. I think because I've obviously read the book, when I'm trying to explain it to people, there's just so much in it. It's hard to sort of condense into that, but you've, you've got that down like a pro. (laughs) It it took some practice. I've done it a few times now. (laughs) Nice. So what inspired you to write this book? So I was inspired, I guess, by a lot of things, primarily women's friendships. I've always been sort of fascinated by how women's friendships are portrayed in the media, especially when I was growing up during like the Britney, Christina era, women were very like pitted against each other. And that was like not my personal experience. Like I always had really close friendships with other women. So I uh, was really sort of inspired to write my own friendship story. That was not what we would usually see. And then I also really like true crime podcasts. And I so I decided to put one of those in the book as well, because just because I enjoy it and I love writing dialogue. So getting to write like pages and pages of dialogue was really exciting. But it was also a really fun and interesting way to add backstory to the, the book so the reader could understand what had happened five years ago when this woman had died. Yeah. And I think that the fact that the book is interspersed with these podcast interview episodes, it's such a brilliant um, sort of form that I, even as a, as a podcaster, I've never seen that in a book. I wonder what, how did you decide on that as a form? And then how did you go about researching that? I know you said you're interested in true crime podcasts. Were there any that particularly inspired this or was it all from your brain? So I 
discovered true crime podcast through serial like a lot of people i was on a road trip from california to texas which takes like total like 24 hours oh. and so so it was very long so it was the second day where i was doing like eight hours on the road and so i listened to serial like all the way through and uh i just really enjoyed it and then that was sort of the first one that i decided that sort of got me into the whole true crime thing and then when, when i was starting to think about writing the book I wanted to listen to some more like specifically as I was writing so I could get the sort of true crime voice in my head. And one I listened to that was really helpful right away was uh, Up and Vanished, which had um, Payne Lindsay as the host. And I uh, I really enjoyed that one. I would listen to that like every morning while I walked my dog and then I would go home and write. And uh, To Live and Die in LA was another really, really helpful one to me. So I listened to those like very specifically as research as I was writing because sometimes it just listen like for fun like I was listening to one of the Dateline true crime uh, podcasts recently and that was just fun just listening to Keith Morrison's voice telling a story sort of thing yeah but the other ones were definitely more research based nice nice and they're definitely um I'm sure a lot of the Red Room listeners will have heard of them uh Serial was the one that I started with as well and Up and Vanish I think Payne Lindsay is just incredible and I think you can really see that level of research that you've done in, oh, you. in your writing. It's um, it's super clear and it's super realistic, which I think as as a writer of fiction, to be able to put that in and make it feel really real is, is such an amazing thing. And we really go through that journey throughout the book, which is lovely. So in terms of um, your writing process for the book, I know you had a lot of uh, color-coded index cards when you were tracking Lucy's journey. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So the, I did, I had the color-coded index cards. I had them like on my computer in a computer program called Scrivener, which is like a writing program. And I had them like on a bulletin board because it was really difficult to sort of balance Lucy's story with the podcast. Like it was much more difficult than I thought it was going to be, especially because a lot of the the podcast takes place in like real time. So only, I think it's two or three episodes have aired when the book starts and then Lucy sort of catches up. And then especially in the second half of the book, they, uh, they start to drop like really quickly. And so putting those together was, was really difficult. So I spent a lot of time sort of shuffling things around and making sure that the reader was finding out things at the same time that Lucy was, because that was, I thought the most interesting way to do it because since she doesn't know she really is clueless about if mm -hmm. this if she has done this thing to the same as the reader is yeah yeah absolutely I can imagine that would be a task I also think uh, uh some of our listeners are writers as well and I often recommend different kinds of books and different materials that I've seen or read and I think for some of the writers I know they often talk about how they structure their books because obviously with writing the podcast I'm having to sort of chronologically structure the crime that has happened um, and I've never heard of anyone using that kind of specifically using sort of cards or even on your computer that kind of thing but I suppose with something so complex you had to find a way to do that clearly. I did. Yeah. It yeah. was really, it was a bigger challenge than I, than I thought at the, at, when I first started. Yeah. No. Um, and in terms of, uh, I, I think we spoke about that br this briefly before on our previous meeting about 
me asking this question and it being not too spoilery. But if I remember correctly, I think you are going to be able to answer it. So correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I would love to know your favorite moment from the book. Oh, yes, I can't answer that. Great. So it is when the podcaster is Ben. And so my favorite moment to write is pretty close to the beginning of the book. It's like in the first quarter of the book when Lucy and Ben first meet. Because mm. I really enjoy their their dynamic. Uh, it's very kind of fun. It's a little flirty. She's a very sarcastic character. So she's like extra sarcastic and suspicious with him. And the book changed a lot in editing, like a lot, a lot. But I think that first scene where they meet is very similar to how I first wrote it. Just, I think, because I was so excited and it was one of those things that I just, like, I thought about it a lot before I wrote it. And so it, it came out, like, pretty close to final the first time I wrote it. Oh, nice. So that one really sticks in your head. Mm -hmm. Nice. And um, I think my favorite sort of element of the book is the relationship between Lucy and her grandma, mm -hmm. Beverly. It's sort of unlike any grandma-granddaughter relationship I've read before, um, but it's certainly similar to how my wonderful grandma was. She was cheeky and sarcastic, really down to earth. And I just think Beverly is so brilliantly written. You can't help but fall in love with her. Um, no. Can you tell us a little bit about how you form that relationship? Is it based on truth or is it fully fictionalised? So it is definitely loosely based on my own grandma, who is Aww. a very like loud, opinionated sort of woman and not like a knitting in the background, baking cookies sort of grandma. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's loosely based on her, not the uh, Beverly is sort of a hard drinking sort of woman. So I didn't my my grandma was not like putting vodka in her iced tea in the, in the middle of the day. <laughs> that was that was more of like a fun sort of thing that I added. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely based on my own grandma a little and also my desire to portray older women in sort of a fun light because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm nowhere near 80, but I will be one day and I would like to see characters. I mean, I hope it will be one day, right? <laughs> uh, I'd like to see characters who are portrayed in like as their like whole selves and not just like she's just a grandma or she is just in the background or she's just like a cranky old lady, which is a, a depiction we see a lot. So she's like, she's a whole person. She has her own life. She's bought this tiny house. She has a bunch of boyfriends. Uh, so I just really wanted to portray an older woman in a, in a really like fun, exciting light. Amazing. And I suppose on that sort on the same note as that, I think that's really clear as well that you've done that. I wonder how do you flesh your characters out? Because all of them have such distinct voices. And I, I know I came away from having read the book. And when I was looking at my notes today, I read the book um, two months ago. But when I was looking at my notes today, just looking at the names, they really pinged out to me. And I sort of knew exactly who they were and what their voices were. So how do you manage that? Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. How do I manage that? You know, I think it just comes with time with sort of writing the book for the first time and then editing it. Like I, like I said before, this book really came together in editing. Like I think I, I wrote it in probably a few months and then I edited it for two years. And so it really came together slowly. But I think that the character's when you take time like that, it really helps flesh out characters a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I can imagine because you're with them for so long. So right. you have to kind of, yeah, I imagine you have to kind of really get to know them. And then to put that on page as well, I think is 
is such a skill but um I see it often with I think most of the books that I recommend are ones that feel like the author has really lived in these characters shoes a little bit to some extent um brilliant thank you thank you um in terms of I know you studied journalism and then screenwriting at college which if I'm correct I think that's our version of uni in the UK we've got a lot of US listeners as well so it will be their college and what was your journey from journalism through into screenwriting and into books and on that note I suppose I'm interested in how much your background in journalism influenced or helped shape this book if at all. So I was always writing books like as a kid, I was like a, a weird kid who read a lot. And so I started, I was writing books by the time I was like 11 or 12 and I wrote a bunch of them through high school. And so when I got to college, I sort of wanted to do something with writing, but I wasn't going to major in creative writing because I was like, that's not realistic. I can't, who really is like an author for a job? That's not a real job. So I did <laughs> journalism. And then of course, that was also not a very smart uh, career <laughs> career move, <laughs> especially because it was specifically like print journalism, sure. which so which you know collapsed a few years later. Um, but I the other thing that I had really always wanted to do was screenwriting. So when I finished journalism, I was like, well, I don't really want to go out in the real world. I'm going to go to graduate school and study screenwriting. And then I came out to LA to possibly be a TV writer. But the young adult market had really exploded at that time. That was, this was like after the Twilight and Hunger Games and all of that. And so I started reading all of these like completed young adult series and I got really into it and started writing those. And so I sort of studied like all the different, all the different forms of writing and then just went straight back to books because I love them. Uh, but I do think that the journalism was super helpful in terms of writing like clearly like I don't know if it helped me with the podcast that much like maybe like subconsciously some of the things that I <laughs> that I learned but definitely in terms of like writing clearly and saying things like in a concise sort of way which I think is important because the book is not super long it's a pretty like standard length book and I've always been pretty good at keeping my books to like a normal sort of length and not going on and on. I think, I think journalism helped with that a lot, especially because I was taught in the old school print style of journalism when they were still like literally printing it on a page and had to have so many like words. Yeah. So I think that was really what, what did it, but the journalism and screenwriting sort of came together to like, I don't know, to like make a whole like writer package, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I think it was all super, it was all super helpful. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. I think also when you're reading the book, as I said earlier, it feels so rooted in truth, but those those true crime podcast bits as well, I'm sure that's partially down to your research, but I'm sure having that background helped even subconsciously, as you say, mm -hmm. maybe you didn't realise you were doing it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Today, I wanted to talk to you about something that I think is really, really important. My family and friends know I am the biggest advocate for therapy. When I was in my early to mid-twenties, I really struggled to open up and be honest about how I was feeling, and it led to me just thinking I had to deal with it all on my own, and that just isn't practical or useful. Thankfully, I had an amazing group of people who stuck by me through that time, but I really noticed a huge shift in the quality of my life after I started going to therapy. I now feel so much better equipped on how to deal with everyday stresses or even big life events that back in my early twenties I really would have struggled with. 
BetterHelp is entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit betterhelp.com slash redrum today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash redrum. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So that's sort of, um, I guess, the one to finish on in terms of specifically with the book. It feels very uh, filmic. I could definitely see this as a movie. Um, And I'm wondering if, you watch horrors or thrillers and if there's anything you have seen recently or ever I suppose that um you would recommend especially if people love your book and want to sort of get more of that kind of world or that kind of thrilling sort of I guess like thrilling or comedic sensation that the book gives so I do I do enjoy horror and thrillers a lot I sort of came to horror I really started enjoying those just like a not, maybe not a few years ago, but five or six years ago, I sort of got into horror and I like the sort of slow burn horror that's not super gory. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of my my favorite. Uh, like It Follows was one of the first horror movies that I that I watched that was really like, oh, this is really good. This is really scary, but <laughs> I this like slow burn terrifying thing is really exciting. Yeah. Uh, one of the the movies that I watched it was like right before the pandemic because I remember seeing it in a theater and it was one of the last movies I saw in the theater before the pandemic was uh, the Invisible Man the new Invisible Man with um, I really like Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth Moss yes thank you yes oh yeah a brilliant brilliant film it was really good and that one deals with some uh, domestic violence which my book does as well and I thought that the Invisible Man does it really well and horror is a really interesting horror thriller I think is a very interesting way to explore that that theme um and so I liked I liked that one a lot um yeah but I read I I mean I watch a lot of them and one of the the ones that I really really enjoyed was a British show actually trying to remember the name of it with David Tennant and um Olivia Coleman it's like a the classic Mm. one oh Broadchurch yes I yeah (laughs) brilliant show (laughs) Yes. So that one uh, was one of my favorites. And I think that was one of the ones that I listened to. I mean, that I watched right when I was thinking about writing my own like mystery thriller. I really like those like the limited series mysteries a lot. (laughs) Yeah, nice. I think the great thing about those kinds of um, series, which I think your book does brilliantly, is that they really are for such a broad audience. You're not, it's not specifically for a younger audience or for a specific type of person. I know, for example, I mentioned about my mum having read the book. My mum watched Broadchurch and she told me I might like it. And then I went and watched it and was like, yeah, this is brilliant. And all my friends will like it as well. So I think that it's not surprising actually that you use Broadchurch as a sort of um, example because I there's definitely similarities in that and your book in terms of audience, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah, that makes cool. sense. <laughs> um, and I I know this is your first adult novel. Um, what made you switch and how have you found it? So I really wanted to write some characters with a little more life experience, I think. 
uh, I enjoyed writing teens a lot and it's very exciting to write characters who are just experiencing everything, everything for the first time. I think it's one of the, the most fun things about YA, but it's also really fun to write characters that are like a little bit more like you, I guess, and have like, they have some more life experience. Uh, like I said, Lucy's very sarcastic. So she's making like a lot of bitter jokes about her life experience, which is very much what I do. You know, in uncom uncomfortable situations, I'm like gonna make a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I wanted to to do that, and it's been really it's been really great, actually. I think I actually think that my sort of twisted sense of humor is a little bit of a better fit in adult than it was in YA. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe just because it is a sense of humor that comes a little bit more from the life experience and not from like the newness of mm -hmm. in like of YA. So yeah, I really, I really liked it a lot and I will be writing more um, adult thrillers. I want to stay with this sort of this genre and category. Yeah, amazing. Well, we're all thrilled to hear that. <laughs> um, are there any plans for a sequel or is this a standalone one? So it's, I wrote it as a standalone and I was really surprised when people started uh, saying, oh, there could be a sequel. I was like, oh no, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> think of a sequel because I mean, I, the, I feel like Things are very well wrapped up in the end, but I think I just naturally like to leave just like a little bit of openness in my books, just so the reader can imagine like a few things. So, so as of right now, there are no plans for a sequel. Okay. Oh, well, I think, yeah, I, as I said, I fell in love with the characters and I think that's a testament to your writing. And so whatever you write next, I, and I'm sure a number of my listeners will be up for reading and getting into that journey with you. Um, oh, thank you. My final question for you is uh I've already asked you sort of filmic um recommendations is there anything that you would recommend in terms of books so after everyone's read your book which they will after this episode's gone out is there anything that you recommend that sits in that sort of similar world or anything that you've just enjoyed recently so there there's a book that came out recently called the murder after the night before by Katie Brent which is in which is out in the UK and the US I know because I think I got the UK version um, that I really liked a lot and it had a similar sort of like comedic vibe but also dealt with some very serious subjects as well and it was a and it's a murder mystery so I liked that one a, a lot and I especially liked that it was funny because I think it's a little bit hard to find murder mysteries that are also funny that are not like all the way over into like cozy sort of like very funny you know <laughs> and yeah the murder after the night before was a was a dairy was one that was sort of similar in that way so that was one I would recommend it also has like a really cute pink cover which I always appreciate <laughs> <laughs> nice. oh yeah so I got the I guess it's the UK version of um the cover which I really liked and then I also saw the US version they're so different but I I love them both I think a cover is really it really it just captures you doesn't it straight away you want to pick it up <laughs> it does yeah I, I like them both a lot they're really great yeah they are oh wicked oh well, thank you so much for your time today Amy I really appreciate it of course thank you this was uh, a lot of fun yeah, it definitely was. Um, can you just remind me when when is the UK release so I can let the listeners know? So it's March 14th. March 14th. Brilliant. So really, really soon. Two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. How it's exciting. coming up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. Oh, wicked. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Yes. Thank you. Hello, I'm Mark. And I'm Bethan. And we're the hosts of Seeing Red. 
We deliver intriguing, terrifying and dumbfounding true crime stories each and every week. With a focus on cases from the UK, we do occasionally venture overseas. We've covered everything from the mysterious death of professional footballer Emiliano Sala to the attempted murder of Victoria Cilias, a woman who fell from the sky and lived to tell the tale. Binge our bulging back catalogue and join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red.